Welcome to the Benito Juarez Experience with Luciano and, Gonzalez. And you, M. Navarro Rivera. Today, we're going to be taking a little bit of a different topic. We're going to be talking about the G20 Summit. And more specifically, we're going to be talking about... We're going to be talking about how the world views, or at the very least, the members of the G20 view two specific, very important leaders. Angela Merkel, the chairperson of the G20 Summit of 2017, was also the head of the executive branch, Germany, and President Trump. So this is going to be a little bit of an interesting topic because there was uh, there have been recent studies both before and I believe in the immediate aftermath of the G20 summit that President Trump has less, he's instilled less confidence in the people of multiple countries throughout the world compared to Angela Merkel, who is one of the main leaders of both the European Union and Europe in general, both countries in and out of the EU. I have a question for you. Are we going to talk about... Uh, Shinzo Abe's wife, who was sitting next to Donald Trump, pretending she doesn't know any English. So, we really, I want to, but I feel like that's kind of distracting from this. But it is very interesting that a figure who has been known to speak English and someone who is on video speaking English, I actually watched the video. There was, um, I remember that there were multiple articles where it was poking fun at the fact that she apparently pretended not to speak English. I don't know if it's true that she pretended not to speak English or if she just didn't say anything, but I did watch the videos where she spoke English and her English is comparable to mine. So I'm just like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like <laughs> it could also, that was great. but I think it, it, going back with this subject in which I think the brother topic is diplomacy it does tell you and i have friends that have worked in the state department or the foreign service and you know the executive the president any actually big dignitary from the united states when they're going to these kind of meetings they get prepped and this just tells you that donald trump didn't do his homework didn't care to do his homework or didn't listen to whoever did the homework and was trying to brief him. And I mean, I think it's, it's a funny anecdote, but it also tells you a lot about the dysfunction, the hubris and the arrogance of, of the head of this administration. <laughs> I think that you, so, so I agree with a lot of what you said, but I think that you're assuming that Donald Trump actually believes what he said when he said that she didn't speak any English. I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case because my, my impression of it, especially because I didn't hear the statements, but I read what he said. My impression is that he was probably trying to save face by pretending to be stupid rather than pretending that he was being given or rather than acknowledging that he was being given the cold shoulder. And this also, this also isn't the first time that he's been given the cold shoulder by the first lady of a country. I remember it happened with the, um, didn't also happen with France? Poland. It happened in Poland. Oh, did it also happen with Poland? Man, that's I mean, a it, lot more than I expected. 
well, technically it also happened with his own wife, but yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> so, but let's go, let's get back to Angela Merkel. Uh, stop talking about first ladies. Let's go with female heads of state. Yes. So, okay. They're the main resource that we're going to be using. I'll be adding a few other resources to this to substantiate some of the other things that we've said, including some of our joking about the first ladies once we edit, once we upload this. But there was a study in Pew Global and it it was very fascinating because it breaks down the um it breaks down how the world views four of the major global players. It breaks down how the world views Donald Trump, how the world views Angela Merkel how the world views the president of China, whose name that I am not going to try to say because I'm going to butcher it. I don't want to do that. And also, of course, everyone's favorite president, Vladimir Putin, being completely sarcastic. But it, it breaks it down by major, by major regions. Specifically, it has North America. It has Europe. It has Russia. It has Asia. A number of countries in the Middle East, Africa, and South America. Interestingly, it doesn't have any countries in Central America, at least not that are shown here. But it's, I suppose it's just going for the most influential players in each region. And the person who inspires the most confidence in this resource, this specific thing, is Angela Merkel, with Donald Trump inspiring the least confidence and China being right ahead of Russia. So it's very interesting that this is now effectively the world that we find ourselves in, when at the very least some research from major countries all over the world shows that the United States is the least, it shows that the United States is either the least trusted or is just ahead of Russia. Well, and I think it, there's another aspect of that same poll, and they they kind of did a drip, drip, drip uh, release of some of the results of that survey. Uh, and there's another part of that same survey in which they actually ask people in all those countries that you mentioned and those regions that you mentioned, comparing Trump to President Obama. And, you know, the differences in trust in, uh, that people in those countries had with President Obama compared to Donald Trump are abysmal. Like, I think there is, there's an interesting aspect to that, uh, this parenthesis before we go into, into your meaty, uh, the meat of your, your argument is that in 2008, the, international image of the United States was in tatters. Uh, George Bush wasn't well respected anywhere after the botch war in Iraq. And so it, it was to Barack Obama to kind of restore the prestige of the United States abroad. Conservatives, when he won, accused him of going on an apology tour, which he wasn't really, of course, but that doesn't really matter anymore. And also that the president, you know, he restored a lot of the respect that the United States had in, in had been losing 
uh, particularly with our allies. And basically eight years of goodwill have been undone in the blink of an eye. I think, I think that's a very interesting analysis. One of my main questions, and it's something that we're not going to be able to know for four years, barring something absolutely extraordinary happening, is I wonder if this damage that's been done to the world's global opinion of the United States, I wonder if it's actually permanent or if it's just, or if it's people who are realizing that what the United States does in a global context is very much related to whoever the president is. So if we had a president, not necessarily a president, Bernie Sanders, who would also be probably radically different from anything that we've ever had before, but another more moderate president, I wonder how that would affect the global opinion of us in the future. But going back to one of the things that I do want to talk about today is the G20 itself, because the G20 is a very interesting topic. The G20, also known as, I believe, the Group of 20, yep, is an international forum, and it's a fusion of world leaders and also people who lead global banks. There are 20 partners but only 19 of them are countries. One of them is the European Union, which is the 20th individual, I guess. And it's very interesting to me that right before a summit on the economy, which was supposed to be one of Donald Trump's biggest selling points, that he was going to be good for the American economy, and thus kind of by extension, the global economy, given the United States' impact, it's interesting to me to see how little he's trusted by other countries across the world. Well, I don't think it is surprising, right? Before the election, we had, I mean, sorry, before the inauguration, we had diplomatic incidents with Australia, with China, with Particularly Australia is more interesting than China because China is like, right now it's a frenemy. But Australia is an ally. And, and so it's really interesting how a lot of our allies are not trusting. And the fact is that we don't really, that many of our allies don't know what to trust of the American administration anymore. We have a, a Secretary of State, uh, Rhett Stillerson, that has absolutely no power. Uh, a lot of years of diplomacy, uh, tradition, not that I want to sound like conservative in terms of tradition, but, but a lot of protocol, a lot of rules have been thrown under the bus or the, prover the proverbial bus uh, in tweets. Right, so so what I think what we're saying is contrary to the contrary to the situation in two thousand and eight in the transition between President Bush and President Obama, in which the the problem with the United States was the reputation that it got from going into a a, a war in line and, and basically using the United Nations. Uh, as a vehicle to, to get a war that under those premises was illegitimate. 
basically had it's not the same kind of kind of situation because in these cases like you know there's there's policies and the you know going from the top down the president is following them and in this case what we have is you know the president doing one thing and the bureaucracy doing another and not talking to each other or actually not necessarily not talking to each other one actor on purpose ignoring the others and basically uh winging policy whenever he feels like it Something that I think is very interesting that's related to this, or that's kind of tangentially related to this idea that you were talking about of bucking policy, is that there are numerous countries, there's not numerous countries that support Trump, but the countries that support Trump or the countries that trust him is very intriguing to me. It's countries like Russia, where just over a majority at 53 um, trusts him versus the Philippines where, you know, 69%, and I believe that's the highest, that is the highest all across all of the countries surveyed. Um, it's the three highest countries are the Philippines, Vietnam, Nigeria, and then it's interestingly enough, Israel. So it's countries like I'm trying to find connections between these countries but I know that in the Philippines, I'm not super surprised that he finds support in the Philippines, given the reputation of the current leader of the Philippines. I'm also not super surprised that he finds support in Israel, given Benjamin Netanyahu's rhetoric when it comes to Palestine. Somehow, them being friends, or at the very least, the country looking at Trump favorably isn't super surprising to me. But some of the ones that are our countries like Nigeria and Kenya, and it might just be because I don't know what's going on over there by and large, but it's fascinating to me that those are the countries that alongside Russia, the Philippines, and Vietnam are just like, you know what, we trust Trump. And those countries by and large don't trust Angela Merkel. Almost all of them are cut in half the amount of support that Trump has. Yeah, well, I think some of it has to do, and, and again, like I don't know much about Vietnam these days, uh, but certainly, if I'm not wrong, Nigeria is certainly run by a strong man. So I, I think there's, you know, some level of authoritarian tendencies in there uh, that may be explaining some of this. But other than that, I, I don't really know. That's that's a that's an area where you need a I think a comparativist that knows better uh, other regions of the planet that is not Latin America. But I think another interesting aspect is um, the fact that, you know, as you mentioned, kind of like Putin on average is kind of like better, uh, what's the word, trusted, liked, uh, than Trump, and I think it, it it also I think it also has to do a lot with even if you know maybe people tr- trust the United States to some extent. There there's an element in which like 
they probably there's there's a certain sense of uh, to be redundant certainty that you know what Russia does probably means it, and that the United States means probably doesn't do it, or what it means doesn't really do it, uh, or what it does doesn't really mean it. Uh, in terms of uh, like how ca chaotic this administration is at this point. And so I think it has a lot to do with, you know, doing the right thing regarding world affairs, where you know what Russia is going to do, but now you don't even really, there's no predictability in what the United States is going to do. Yeah. I, that, that kind of relates to my, um, that relates a little bit to what I said earlier about the question of whether or not this is more or less permanent, or if this will change once we have a leader that we can more reliably not, not quite a leader, but a president who we can more reliably predict the actions of, because I feel like it's not so much looking at this, it's kind of hinting that it's not so much a fear of Trump that people have, but a fear of the unknown. As even in the wording of the actual, of the actual like image that they have on the article, it says that confidence in such and such to do the right thing regarding world affairs. That is very interesting phrasing in and of itself. But you mentioned earlier Latin America. Do you want to talk a little about that? Because none of the leaders got above a 38 anywhere in Latin America, whether it was Mexico, which gave Donald Trump a 5%, um, or Brazil, which gave Angela Merkel a 38%, which was the highest percentage that anyone got in Latin America out of all of the countries and all of the leaders that were surveyed. And that's interesting in and of itself, especially because, you know, Mexico gave Donald Trump a five, but then Venezuela gave Donald Trump the highest rating out of all of them, which was 20. I think it has to do with well, the case of Brazil. It certainly has probably I, I'm pretty sure it has the strongest ties to Germany uh, of all the of all the Latin American countries. Like there's a lot of uh, German enterprises that actually conduct business in Brazil. In the case of Mexico, not surprising. I'm more surprised that there's five percent <laughs> in there. Uh, it, that, that's probably the same five percent who approve of President Peña Nieto at this point. So there's, a, I think you can do a pretty good correlation in there. Uh, the five percent who likes Donald Trump is the same five percent who think their president is doing a good job. And I mean, you know, Peña Nieto is very popular among American liberals. Everyone loves seeing the like videos that he makes to Donald Trump. No, that's not Peña Nieto. That's with Vicente Fox. Oh wow. I haven't been paying a whole lot of attention to that, but I'll no, just no. be seeing people being like, Mexico's president. Oh, I'm like, oh. No, Mexico's president of like 12 years ago. Uh, no, it's president, former president Vicente Futz, the one who does the, the, the little videos in Facebook. Although he already apologized to him at one point after the election. That's true. So Yeah. So, whatever. So that was very sad. Yes. So anyways, so, you know, you take this with a grain of salt, but the other, and then Venezuela, I mean, I, I 
actually today, as we were recording this, the day we're recording this, which is on Monday, uh, I've been catching up on my podcasting, and Latino USA and In the Thick both had uh, shows on discussing Venezuela. And so I think there's a, a large segment of the Venezuelan population that it's looking forward to the U.S., some sort of U.S. intervention, and certainly the blustery language that Trump is using uh, certainly is going to catch some attention. I feel like that's definitely true. I have to wonder, like I'm looking at this, and I wish that we could see information on, yeah, I'm double-checking. I was hoping that we could see information on, say, Syria. I'm not surprised that we can't. I would have been very surprised that it had actually been there. But I wonder how many countries have populations that are either affected by U.S. intervention and, and or want U.S. intervention in their affairs for the sake of humanitarian resources or for the sake of preventing a civil crisis or a constitutional crisis. I wonder what the rates of confidence in the United States would be in those countries, especially because all across the board, it's, it's pretty low when it comes to the United States. I think the region, the region that has the most consistent support for Donald Trump is actually the African region, which is also kind of interesting to me. And that deserves to be talked about on its own. Unfortunately, we don't know what's going. We don't know enough about what's going on in Africa to be able to talk about that intelligently, which is a real shame. But it's that's a that's an idea worth exploring in and of itself. The correlation between the desire for U.S. intervention and the support for Donald Trump. Hmm. Well, I mean. You know, to, to a large extent, a lot of the American foreign policy in many countries hasn't drastically changed. Uh, I mean, a lot of American intervention has happened before Trump, and I'm probably sure he doesn't know half the story of all the places we are right now. Uh, so I think it, it may, you know, it, it may be more of a Trump factor than anything else. I mean, I think his own popularity is just uh, off the charts. And the other thing is that, uh, you know, I I, I talk about this before the election, certainly not in this podcast, we didn't start before the election, but the fact that, you know, Donald Trump had, you know, he had a global image, particularly, you know, me growing up in Puerto Rico, uh, seeing him in the Miss Universe pageant, which in, you know in Puerto Rico is a national holiday. Uh, you know, so a lot of people know him as a like, kind of like a horny old guy who was running around beauty pageants. So it's not like he ever had a very good image to begin with. Uh, if that's what most people know about him, I mean, growing up, raised in Central and South America, my image of him was a little bit different from yours. I just knew him as a mean person who had a TV show where he fired people, which is which sounds like we knew about the same amount of information about him as each other, more or less equal, just in different areas. But I also asked many of my Latin American friends who were raised entirely 
in Latin America who never came to the United States before they went to college, what they knew about him, and they would say more or less the same thing. So it's definitely true that people knew who he was, but no one had a real idea of him. I have to wonder if that's more or less the case in other parts of the world, and even in the United States. Because I have many friends who are, you know, who were raised in the United States and never went anywhere else, who only knew about him from either the Miss Universe pageant or um, either The Apprentice or The Celebrity Apprentice. I don't know which one he ran, but the TV show where he got to fire people. Uh, and both. I honestly, both? Did he run both? Okay. <laughs> I don't know my Donald Trump trivia, which means that if he ever decides to like put me on a game show starring him, I'll probably be fired. But um, it's it's interesting to me to see the sorts of countries just all around the world, especially the ones that we mentioned, which are cases that I at least understand a little bit of. But it's interesting to look at the places where he's trusted versus where he's not trusted. But in Angela Merkel's case, it makes a lot of sense that a good portion of her support comes from the UK. She has ratings of trust as high as 89% in both Sweden and in the Netherlands. She has an 81% support in the in Germany. She's a 79% trusted in France. In Canada, she has 69%, the lowest places of support for her in the in Europe are Greece. And then after that, the next lowest place of support is Venezuela and Turkey, where she is trusted 14% each. Again, a lot of those things also make sense. Greece yeah. and their, their economic crisis, there's all the clash between Europe and Turkey right now with Endorgan, uh, Edorgan or Endorgan. I never remember where the end goes. Um, who is basically, at this point, I think it's safe to call him a dictator. Uh, so there's, I think there's certainly some level of authoritarian uh, and still nominally, nominally democratic uh, uh, or liberal democracy kind of divide in, in these public opinions. And it also tells you to some extent, the way in which, you know, the, a lot of these countries, I mean, these, I'm talking about all countries, you know, there's a levels of different varying levels of opposition to whoever is in power, but it does tell you how important is the people who are in power that in many ways are able to shape the narratives of public opinion uh, through media. So you said you you were talking about the crisis, and I'm going to talk about China, I'm going to talk about the Chinese president in just a second. But I am kind of curious since you were talking about Greece and the crisis very briefly. Do you think people have compared Puerto Rico and Greece? That's that's a murky comparison. I understand the desire to make that comparison, but given that that's how much Angela Merkel is trusted, um, in Germany, do you think, or in Greece, do you think it would be a similar number if someone were to solely poll the people of Puerto Rico? Uh, I'm not sure, man. I don't really know. 
because uh, I mean, I, 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 you know, I don't know how things have changed. And probably, you know, I have I haven't lived there almost twenty years, uh, but from what I, you know, I remember the international coverage in in the news was the around the world in sixty seconds. Uh, so you know, there's not. A, I mean, I'm assuming there's some households of half cable and like have some other sources of news but i mean when i was growing up there most of the news that you got was like local or u.s news so uh, i think you're gonna get a lot of missing cases in a lot of international can uh, uh which i think to a large extent is uh, it's, it's true to in, in most of these countries right with the exception of large like important country figures, whether for imperial or uh, other sorts of reasons, like, you know, presidents of the United States, Russia, Germany, and China, I mean, presidents or executives, are going to be among the most known global figures anyway. But I'm not really sure where these numbers will stack up. I, I'm trying to think of what I would guess. I would guess it probably wouldn't. I would think it'd probably be somewhere in the middle. I don't think it'd be too high, but I don't think it'd be too low either. Um, for a variety of reasons that we should devote another episode of the podcast to. But uh, I do want to talk about China and Russia and how they fall into this before we leave, because it's interesting to see how the four theoretically the four most powerful players at the very least in the G20 stack up and how they get their levels of confidence across the world. China, uh, the president of China's biggest bases of support come from Africa, which makes sense. Um, the article that we're going to be sharing talks about the fact that China has invested fairly heavily in all over Africa, but specifically in these largely influential regions, which are, I don't believe that they are the top, I don't believe that they're the top six economies in Africa, but I do think that at least four of them are. And the countries in Africa that are on this information are Nigeria, Kenya, Tanzania, Ghana, South Africa, and Senegal. I butchered the pronunciation of Senegal. But all of them trust the president of China fairly decently. All of them trust the president of China more than they trust Angela Merkel, which is very fascinating to me. Also, all of them trust the president of China more than they trust Vladimir Putin, which is very fascinating. Um, the only people, the only, there are a few exceptions to this, but they also generally trust Donald Trump less. No, they generally trust Donald Trump more than they trust the president of China, but only barely. So that's very interesting. And then aside from that, the rates are fairly low aside from in the Philippines, in Russia, in Canada, where it's higher than Donald Trump and Putin, but lower than Angela Merkel. And that's their global median, their global average is 28% of the surveyed population trust in, um, I'm not going to try to say his name, but they trust in him more than they trust in Trump and in Putin. In Russia, 
so that way we can start to talk about all four of them put together. Um, in Russia, the main places of trust are Russia, Greece, the Philippines, Vietnam, and Tanzania. And all of those make sense. All of those sound about right, aside from possibly Greece. So no one should be surprised. But in all the other numbers, the numbers are fairly abysmally low. The next highest numbers are, it looks like it's Nigeria coming in at 39%, and then Indonesia coming in at 31%, with most of Africa being in the 30s, and all of South America and Mexico being in the 20s and 19s. Okay, so actually Greece makes sense because a lot of their right-wing movements are actually funded by Russia. Uh, but <laughs> there it I, is. <laughs> but I think... Uh, any last words? So this is a very important survey that I would recommend people read and talk about amongst themselves. I wish that we could have had more time to dive into the specifics of it. I think that one of the most important things that we did in this episode is that we made this information to any of our listeners. They probably already knew about this survey because this is the sort of information that we talk about. Anyway, we talk about how the world views us. We talk about events across the United States and how they impact the rest of the world. But it's very important that people look at this and they consider how this makes them feel, whether they voted for Trump or not, and how they feel about global leaders. Okay, so thank you for listening. Remember, like the podcast in Facebook, subscribe to it, give a review, and we'll talk to you next week. This was Juan Navarro Rivera and Luciano Gonzalez.